Bonjour, fit fam. Welcome to season three of In Bed with the Fitness Industry. I'm your host, Nathalie Lacombe, the coach and Cupid for the fitness industry. Enjoy this episode with our phenomenal guest. They are all here to help you thrive in your career and your business in the fitness industry. Be inspired to serve yourself so you can serve others better. Come check us out at nathalielacombe.com. You'll get oodles of resources there to help you continue to have a phenomenal career. I'll see you soon. Bonjour, everyone, and welcome to In Bed with the Fitness Industry. I'm Nathalie Lacombe, your host and coach and Cupid in your career and in your business. And it's my absolute pleasure today to have a, an old acquaintance and friend of mine from the industry. We haven't seen each other in years, and so very happy to be jumping into bed with Deborah Atkinson. Welcome. Well, thank you. I'm so glad to be here. So happy to have you. Thank you for jumping into bed with me. I know there's a lot going on at your place. You're doing all this landscaping and all kinds of things, and it's exciting, and I'm pulling you indoors for a little bit, but um, thank you so much for connecting with us today. You are so welcome. Unfortunately, I'm not doing any of the heavy lifting. I'm just <laughs> pointing. I'm saying okay. pointing, pointing and paying, pointing and paying those two. And things I'm like, stop leaving the gate open. I don't ah. have a dog, and there's a dog back here. <laughs> oh no, that's too. Oh wow, well that's what we'll see. Bonus dog. I know. We <laughs> got him today. For those of you who haven't yet had the pleasure of being introduced to Deborah, she is a hormone balancing fitness expert, the CEO and founder of. Flipping 50 and the Flipping 50 Project. She's a best-selling author, a TEDx speaker, a 39-year, I'm winking at the 39 there, a 39-year fitness expert and creator of Flipping 50 Menopause Fitness Specialist. Welcome again. Let's talk about what bedtime looks like for you. So what time do you like to go to bed and what time do you prefer waking up? I really am ready for bed between eight and nine PM. And you know, I've been that way since high school. Oh, really? really? Not kidding. Yeah. I mean, of course I've had my few, you know, late night outs and, uh, but no, even in college, like I was that roommate that <laughs> the people hated in the dorm. Cause I was like, be quiet, turn the light. <laughs> and then the new morning, like it's the morning. I know. Yeah. Here we go. So you're, cause you're an early riser too, right? I am naturally. I will wake up. Well, if summertime in this mm-hmm sun is peeking through. I mean, I'll wake up close to four, you know, in winter time, I'm solar powered. That's what I say. So, I mean, literally I could stay in bed by 36, you know, depending if it's dark and cool, that's pretty appetizing, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When it's cooler, we just want to be snug a little bit longer. Yeah. And what do you normally wear to bed? What uh, makes you ha- cozy and happy in bed? Yeah. Well, my feet have to be out first of all. I have to say that, like, I could never wear those Dr. Dentons, cute as they are. And I can't wear a union suit because I have to be able to go to the bathroom really, you know, in the middle of the night. But it's got to be very comfy and cozy, like a buttery. Can't do flannel and I can't do silk either. That's just too cold for me. So I'm Hmm. somewhere right there in the middle. Somewhere right in the middle. Nice. Mm -hmm. That sounds great. Oh, thank you for sharing that with us. I 
wanted to speak with you uh, and have you as a guest on this on this interview podcast and vlog because one of the things I see, and I happen to follow you on social media, one of the things I've always noticed is how authentically you show up um, through the ups and downs and the highs and lows and personal, professional, all kinds of things that are there. You always show up and show who you authentically are as a person who's evolve like that in the industry, do you find it helps you connect to your community, that mm -hmm. authenticity and that um, openness of the authenticity? Yes. Well, I think you just said, I see you show up with messy hair and no makeup and a breakout. <laughs> I think you just said that, but <laughs> yes, it absolutely does. I mean, just showing up and I keep reminding myself, it's the message, it's the message, it's not mm. me. I have a responsibility to deliver this message when it needs to be delivered, whether or not I put on mascara or I'm, you know, in the perfect attire or the, the perfect acoustics sometimes, mm. but I think they really appreciate real, I my audience in particular, yep. True. Now that you mentioned that about the, a lot of times you're walking, you're hiking and you'll be yeah. able to, you know, you'll be able to, to share what that is and why you chose to walk or hike and why you chose to do that that day and at that time of day and everything else. And yeah. understanding the why behind that message, um, I think helps us, um, helps us understand it that much more, helps us relate to it that much more that it becomes clear. So it's not just, you need to do it. It's a, here's how I adapt. Here's mm -hmm. how it's possible right? Here are yeah. the variables with it. Oh, that's really interesting. So we're at a time right now where um, connecting to online, since we're talking about your online presence, mm -hmm. there are now a multitude of online offers. They're always there, but they're more than they were there before. Mm -hmm. How do you um, not fall into the competitive spirit when it comes to them, but rather understand your place and how you can connect with people. Well, first of all, I do fall. I fall uh, regularly and then I pull myself back out of that hole. Yeah. I, you know, when I figure out don't not going to comparison theory, I will let you know. But I think it's almost impossible with our use of social media, which I don't see going away because mm. although it's negative, it's also positive. I mean, it gives mm -hmm. us the ability to be right there with somebody wherever they are in their pocket. And that's amazing. Mm. And it gives everybody else that ability too. So I think, first of all, I, I don't not fall, but I have to remember it's none of my business what somebody else is offering. It's, you know, you've got to figure out what can I offer? How can I package it up in a way that they want it, but is delivering it to them in a way they need it? I mean, that's the ideal of wrapping up an offer hmm. perfectly. And I think I and a lot of fitness professionals, particularly maybe getting started we tend to want to give them what they need right away, but they're not shopping for it. Nobody asked for it. And we have to meet them where they are. Hmm. That's really interesting. So give them what they want and wrap it into <laughs> wrap it up in something that they need. That's a brilliant concept. Thank you for sharing that with us. Speaking of that is 
Is that something you've learned since launching Flipping 50 or something you realize and therefore created Flipping 50 thanks to having that realization? How did that come about? You know, I think I went more independently, you know, in working in the private sector over the years because of the frustration in working in academics. You cannot pivot very quickly. Every little change in academics takes going through the board and going through the faculty and going upstairs to get something finally disseminated downstairs, Mm -hmm. which could be months or an entire year. And it's like, ah, that frustration. So I saw that there was a need, you know, to have that ability to pivot and, and then even working for private sector, I mean, you're working with a larger team and the larger the team is, the more they can't just change based on what one person's input is. You know, you probably work in an entire department, your department impacts somebody else's department. So, you know, the great thing about working with a big team in the collaborations and the ideas, you know, there's also that flip side of it, it takes longer. And it's like, is this beneficial to everybody? Because every idea is not. So I think that's where it came from. Flipping 50 was my answer for, you know, I'm going to do this and I can change and I can pivot. I can make a decision in the morning and by afternoon we're implementing it. Mm. And now, now as my team grows, I'm right back, you know, going backward (laughs) a little bit because it's like, I've got to think about each one of them too. Mm. Yeah. And uh, um, having, having recently flipped 50 (laughs) myself. Congratulations. Thank you very much. It's, 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 it's a wild ride. Um, I remember having friends talking about really that difference. And I mean, I don't, you know, the concept being there, it's not necessarily exactly at 50 for everybody, but it is quite significant what's there. And I I think there's a nice place, a nice understanding there for us to, to see where the niche is. And the, the niche I think is helpful, especially when you're trying to break through and you're able to connect with people when it's something that you have passion and compassion for so is that kind of where is that were you at an age where you're like wow there's a lot of women not being Mm -hmm. served out there by people who just don't understand or haven't yet gone through it or haven't studied it or haven't researched it and you felt like there was a nice niche there for you to be able to create something more customized yes I mean you nailed it but flipping 50 was an accident if I'm totally honest, (laughs) I quit safety and security in the job and the had quit the university prior to that because everything was growing and just like all the double emails and the double phones. And I I couldn't do it. So I said, okay, I'm going private sector. And I wanted to quit and teach the awesome heart-centered and educated health and fitness pros, how to market and sell, because for some reason it had always come easy to me. And I liked that piece of it. Mm. And, you know, I saw while I was working at a university, we were losing the good ones, the students Mm. that had the best GPAs and cared the most would go out doing internships and have this sudden reality. You know, if I can't sell, you know, I really can't make 
the kind of lifestyle that I had envisioned and they, mm. they couldn't yet see themselves as being an owner or, you know, independently mm. finding a way around mm. what it was they loved to do. So I was like, we have to do something. They need to be able to market themselves and sell easily without it feeling icky or sleazy or salesy. So that's what I set out to do. And about five minutes later, you know, I realized I can't be telling them what to do and not doing it. I can't, you know, cause I'm mm. irrelevant right away. You know, a year from now, I can tell them what I used to do and then say, but you should do this now. It's not right. going to work. So I'm like, I have to keep one of the niches, something I have to choose something. So instead of serving everybody, you know, as I done with different positions, I said, okay, who's the market? that I'm going to go for. And I'd worked with midlife women since I was in my twenties as a, an undergrad even, because I had huh. older parents and older siblings and I don't know why, but I was always given them. So I was like, okay, I'm hearing from baby boomer women. Nobody gets me like mm. doctors are saying to me, well, you know, what do you expect? Welcome to menopause. Here you are. And we were, you know, I was right there with them. I call myself a barely boomer. I am like the tail end of 1964. <laughs> right? And, you know, so I shot for them. That market went boom, you know. And so now I'm actually turning back around. We're paying more attention to fitness and health pros again, because I'm at a limit, you know, I, I can only say so much in the voice that I have, and that doesn't resonate with everybody. I get that. Mm. We all need something special about us and the way we say it, explain it, will attract a unique market and that the rest of us won't. And so there's an abundance, you know, of people that we still need to help. We all know that. So we're teaching uh, pros, you know, to become flipping 50 menopause fitness specialists. And through mm -hmm. that, how do you market to women? How do you write copy for women and giving mm -hmm. them the skills? So I'm coming full circle to do what I really intended to do a decade ago. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Love how, well, cause everything, all, the, the groundwork was laid, was there for when you, you know, the moment was right again, I'm yeah. sure to, to be able to get back to that. Um, well, one of the things I hear a lot about when it comes to, you know, women flipping 50 pre-menopause and menopause and everything else is the concept of we're hearing about like aging versus anti-aging versus embracing mm -hmm. aging. And like, how do you see it? And it's a bit of a perspective, um, yeah. almost, uh, you know, almost disagreement, I dare say, with, with <laughs> some people like how to how to handle that. Yeah. How do you help women stay focused on what their bodies can do? versus fight in a, you know, in a literal sense, kind of fighting aging. How do you keep these conversations positive for women who every morning sometimes don't know what to expect from their bodies? Yeah. It's such a great question. Okay. So you introduced me and you said, you know, the flipping 50 project, and that's really where this goes. It's mm. like, it's like a place. Like if you can imagine we're on an Island that is the flipping 50 project, you know, it's repeating it over and over again is really what it is. But this is the place where we aren't looking at getting older. We're looking at getting bolder. We're not thinking mm. about losing weight. We're thinking about lifting weight. We're not mm. worried about or thinking about looking forward to retirement. 
we're thinking rewirement and we don't yeah. feel invisible. We should feel invincible. I mean, look what we've done. Look where we've been. And it's that kind of language, like flipping 50. And that's where that comes from. It's not turning 49 to 50. It's the entire second half. And it's flipping the whole concept about what does it mean so that, you know, I think anti-aging is a hard one. I recently, in the last six months, had a conversation with, um, and I'm Ashton. <laughs> about ageism. And I realized there's some copying, there's some things and I'm ageist in some of the ways that I'm portraying this. And <laughs> you know, so I had to go backward and say, okay, my radar, my antenna is up now. Um, and even though I kept saying, no, I'm pro aging, you know, we're not going to get out of it alive. We just want to be the best we can at every age. But there are still things that I say when we say, turn back the clock. We, we give the impression we should, we shouldn't want to be where we are. We should want to be younger than we are. And if you say the fountain of youth about whatever, right? Strength training. We say that all the time. Yeah. It's like, okay, do we want to still say that? Because then we imply that the older, the aging, the opposite is bad. We're giving it good, bad. So I'm just becoming more sensitive I just had this discussion with a friend of mine who has a skincare system and he was thinking about using the word youth or youthfulness. And I said, I'm just going to throw this out there. I'm becoming aware of this more sensitive. I don't know if I'm your exact demographic, but I know I'm not going to get younger, you know, so do you want to say that is your market sensitive to that at all? Because if you use certain words, will they think it's intended for younger women as opposed to them? I think so. It's an interesting positioning statement. Yeah. Interesting reframing just everything that that Uh the labels, realizing how words that we wouldn't necessarily categorize as being labeling actually Mm -hmm. do label. Yeah. Um, and it's just expressions that, you know, um, this, this like unconscious bias, I suppose, about some of those things, just like it is for a lot of other, um, a lot of other groups, it would be the same thing when it comes to, uh, um, to agers, active agers. I mean, aren't we all agers? Right. <laughs> I know. Not aging, so. <laughs> right. And you know? you know what? I, it just came to me. I want to give her credit. So, yeah. um, Ashton Applewhite, and she's on Instagram as this chair rocks, you know, okay. as opposed to like the rocking chair. So I want to yeah. just give that. This chair rocks. Okay. Thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah. Very cool. Well, I mean, there's lots going on. Like you said, you're, you're, you know, going back to where you had started with the B2B mm. type of supporting the, the health and fitness pros with the programs. As you see what um, is upcoming in the industry at large? Is there something that makes you optimistic? What in particular keeps you inspired as you look at what your colleagues and peers are doing in the industry? It's us. We are going to change the game. I mean, you, we were talking in the green room, quote unquote, right before we got started about the importance of exercise and people's awareness of the importance of exercise. But I think the older we get, all of us are more in tune to, you know, we're not in a, in an eight lane interstate driving any, you know, so much latitude, excuse me. 
but we we have a more narrow bandwidth about what we should be doing. So people are going to be more inquisitive, seeking out trainers and support for what should I be doing? What's a waste of time of my time and of my energy? So I think we're going to be the go-to and this is going to be the first generation like you and I right now, we're going to be the first generation of 90 year olds who have exercised consistently our entire lives. We're going to change. What does it look like? It doesn't have to be older, sicker, fatter, weaker, you know, it can be older, bolder, stronger. And, and that is so very exciting. So I think there's going to continue to be a demand, not just for people up to a certain age and then have it start dwindling, not as many trained. I think mm. we're going to be training people till the end of their lives. And so there's growth, there's huge growth. And we're a part of changing this whole, how people age. Mm. That's very encouraging. That's very inspiring. I, and I think those of us who are really in it know it intuitively. We speak to our friends who might have had um, a career job that was that was banked by a date of retirement. I'm at that age now where my friends from primary school and everything else, they're like, I got six and a half years to go. And I'm like, and they're like, what about you? And I'm like, I don't know what you guys are talking about. Because yeah. I'm going to be teaching, I'm going to be teaching yoga till ever. <laughs> it just yes. feels like there's there's things out there because it's very different in terms of, you know, um, the, the career prospects when it comes to that. But uh, I appreciate you saying that. And I think that, um, it, like I said, it's very encouraging to hear um, and it's exciting for us. It's, it's, it's fun to be excited regardless of the decade of your career or your life that you are in with the prospects of helping people connect with their health. So thank you for um, edifying that. Thank you for qualifying that. And thank you for inspiring that in everything that you do, Deborah, I really appreciate it. Oh, well, thank you. And thank you for this message that you're putting out. Oh, it's my pleasure. And hopefully we will connect soon on social, or perhaps we will see one another um, in 3D in the months to come. Merci beaucoup. <laughs> thank you.